The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagon alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And it is NFL Draft Day, which is one of our favorite days of the year. we got producer Lance getting ready for a little hot yoga at noon Eastern time, doing a mock draft as well. He's excited. The boys are excited. Andrew's got voicemails from the local district attorney in Florida beautiful day to be alive andrew talk to me baby how we doing i got some life in me man florida panthers uh kept me up it's the team of misery um <laughs> now i have to make a decision if, I, if i'm going to game six on on friday night i don't think i am i think i'm gonna watch the nfl draft uh but i'm all fired up um what about you coop how you how you doing have you ever done hot yoga i have not i have never done hot yoga producer lance very excited for it that's his job to, to really show us the full scope of our potential and and what we're capable of doing. Between you doing CrossFit and between producer Lance on the hot yoga, I feel like I need to find my place between this trio. I don't know what that's going to be. Right like, now, it's just, hey, go to the range, whack a couple balls. Like cycling, maybe spinning, swimming. I don't like that idea. I don't like that idea. Maybe swimming. All right. Do, do you have a mock draft going on? No mock draft going on, but I think – Producer Lance and I, you as well. It just feels like like there's a lack of firepower in the top 32. Do you feel that at all? Yeah, I mean, would not want to be in that that situation on the other. You know, well, I the, would want to be in the front office, but I don't know. the The quarterback conversation is super intriguing because I don't think anybody has an idea what Houston is going to do at number two. And I think a, a lot of people are assuming Bryce Young is going to be the selection for the Carolina Panthers at number one. And if that's the case, Houston is in this pretty precarious situation. Producer Lance, known conspiracy theorist, he thinks they're going to take a defensive player. There's talk about Houston trading up from 12, potentially even trading back from 12. He said they're going to be in the sweepstakes for the Caleb Williams-Drake May conversation next year. But if you're Nick Cicerio, the general manager of the Houston Texans, can you really afford that? That would be my question. And if I'm a Houston Texans fan, listen, I love the idea of Caleb Williams and Drake May, but are we actively tanking? I mean, the, the margin of error is so thin, right? You win four games, all of a sudden you're picking three through five. It's a different conversation. Yeah, and CBS Sports had the graphic, right, uh, about how the Jets won two games late, and that moved them, bumped them from a one to two. Uh, Jags select Trevor Lawrence. Um, we saw what T-Law did this past season. They take Zach Wilson, and 
Now they end up with Aaron Rodgers. So, Good Zach point. Wilson got a new mentor, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Ron, back from his darkness retreat all the way to New York. I tell you what, Aaron Rodgers in New York, match made in heaven right there, just in terms of the headlines of, of what we're going to get, how the press is going to cover him, how he's going to respond to the press. I'm excited for that. Hey, let's talk a little high school football before we get into the NFL draft, which we will do later in the show. Preps to pros, baby. Preps to pros. Rest in peace. Got axed after a four-day weekend is what it is. That's all right. We learned a lot from preps to pros. LSU on the board, top five recruiting class in 2024. Brian Kelly adds to his family. Tradez Green, number eight tied in in the country. Tied in according to 24-7 sports. Receiver, according to the composite, depending who you ask, number 99 player in the country. Like I said, number two player from the boot in the state of Louisiana. Andrew, initial impressions of Tradez Green to LSU. Well, I want to hear yours because I know you've been digging in on the tight ends, right? You've been digging in on the 2024 tight ends. I, Correct. This is what I wrote down in, in my notes and peeling back the curtain here. A straight-up mismatch. We need to get some verified measurements. Could be like a Darnell Washington with his size, uh, but don't know how much he wants to be an inline blocker because he spent much of his junior season flexed out wide. But, man, did he produce 42 catches, 864 yards, 14 touchdowns. I think that's the most out of any of the tight ends here in the in the top two, four, seven, those 14 touchdown catches. So he is a big body with a basketball background. Um, and I kind of love the take when you look at LSU's tight end room. And Brian Kelly, he produced really good tight ends when he was at Notre Dame. Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator there, did the same when he was at Cincinnati. They go and find these body types, and you're pairing Tradez Green with uh, Tavion Galloway, who was already committed in the 2024 cycle. And then, Coop, don't forget, last year uh, they got Camorian Pimpton, who was one of our biggest risers, former Vanderbilt commit, um, but another large frame. So it's kind of looking like the starting five for a basketball team in that, in that tight end room. I like what they're doing. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Tradez Green. Six six and a half, two hundred and forty pounds, and and typically, I'm a little bit hesitant, right, in terms of when it comes to height and weight, especially guys we don't have verified information on. I got to see Tradez Green. That's kind of when the buzz started, at least for me personally, last year at a seven on seven tournament in New Orleans, and you can see the basketball background very evident, and a guy that really knows and understands how to utilize his frame. And then Andrew, like you said, talking about LSU's tight end room. With Mac Marquay, Tavion Galloway, and Mason Taylor, they have three more so traditional wide tight ends, right? Both guys that can attach, detach, have the ability as pass catchers, more as a safety blanket. And I think Mason Taylor probably surprised some people there in terms of what he could do after the catch this season and how much LSU utilized him in the passing game. Kamari and Pimpton and Tradez Green are – mismatch receiving options, right? Who I expect to be heavily involved in LSU's offense, especially in the red zone. So Mike Dimbrock, who is the offensive coordinator, he's also the tight ends coach in Baton Rouge for Brian Kelly. I think that's an interesting wrinkle that you have to 
keep in mind there, I mean, this is a guy that knows how to get the tight ends involved in his offense. Josh Wiley was a guy that he had at the University of Cincinnati under Luke Fickle. It's going to be a guy that's going to get drafted here in the next couple of days. So LSU tight ends, they keep it going. Drew, final thoughts? Uh, they're up to number four in the rankings. I, I think I also wrote this down. LSU already with seven commitments from the state of Louisiana in state last year, they took, I think they ended up signing just 10 from, from their backyard. So it feels a lot different than the narrative was a year ago when Brian Kelly first came in from Notre Dame, they were recruiting more nationally. Uh, seems like they are putting up the fence around the backyard. And I think they could go 10 for 10 on the state's top 10 ranked prospects, um, which is kind of a, which is a flex, right? Uh, they lead on the crystal ball for Wardell Mack, a corner, Tylen Singleton, a, a second-level defender. We talked about uh, Jawan Johnson or Jujuan Johnson. Uh, Kobe Young's another guy. So just just something of note, you know, that Brian Kelly's figuring out life in Baton Rouge. And, of course, he's got Joe Sloan, friend of the pod, mayor of the Louisiana. Mayor. They call him the mayor of Louisiana or is it Baton Rouge? I can't remember. I think it's the mayor of Baton Rouge. Louisiana, that's a that's a that's a different title right there. Does it feel to you like Brian Kelly and LSU going into year two, like they feel like they got it figured out? Yeah. In, in terms of recruiting and in terms of what they want to do on the field, like they're in lockstep in terms of what Brian Kelly wanted to bring to LSU into that program and I think he's done a really good job obviously 10 wins in the first season who do you feel better about Bud Elliott our friend brought it up on the cover three podcast but he said he's got more confidence in LSU heading into 2023 than Alabama hmm that's a great point I mean I was not prepared for that but I'm just peeking ahead to Labor Day weekend LSU FSU I mean that is that game is going to be kind of a it's a huge game between two very legitimate teams. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of those teams is, is a contender come time to for a college football playoff committee to make a decision. But I think when you look at it from obviously the on-field stuff, but you can gain so much more momentum if you win that game, right? You know, on the recruiting trail when it comes to talent acquisition like – that can springboard and it can get rolling. Everyone's going to be tuned in, standalone game. Like, well, you look what it did for Florida State season last year. Right. Huge. Right. And they kind of jumped off from there and they, a little bit of woes in the middle of the season, but bounced back. So, yeah, Florida State, LSU, that's going to be another game this time in Orlando last year in New Orleans. That's going to have all eyes on it, especially last year's. It wasn't a well played game until that fourth quarter, it felt like, you know, both teams kind of awoke especially LSU there late all right Andrew quarterback dominoes if you want to call them that and this kind of opened my eyes in terms of like the national purview of the 2024 quarterbacks but Luke Moga the number 24 or excuse me the number 52 quarterback in the country was set to announce on Friday but pushing things back is that what we're hearing yeah I think he's pushing it back Anna Adams who covers Clemson for 24-7 sports, reporting that Clemson, Garrett Riley, new offensive coordinator, has been in contact. Moga just visited Oregon, his crystal ball leader, and is on the expected visitor list for the Ducks spring game this weekend. Oregon, however, 
also involved with Michael Van Buren, the number 22 quarterback in the country. He's expected to visit too. Penn State, how are they involved? Well, they lead on the crystal ball for Van Buren. But the Nittany Lions just offered Trevor Jackson, number 32 quarterback, Drew, who I think you and I are pretty big fans of. Yeah, you need a flow chart for that, right? When a lot was, going on there. When I was a lot when, going on there. When I was typing it out, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, it I read just, it read pretty well, though. Well, you know, I have a writing background, so I give you credit for that. Uh, I just think you know we spend so much time talking about you know the quarterback dominoes, right? And the top guys, and most of these guys are committed, but like this is the the market if you're kind of on playing plan B, right? You know, you're on plan B. Like these are big schools. We just talked about Oregon, Penn State, Clemson, right? Clemson's still looking for their quarterback. They struck out with Walker White, Jaden Davis. Um, You know, Penn State, they try to make a run at at your uh, one of another one of our favorites, Luke Cromenhoek, but he shuts things down, says he's staying with FSU. Uh, It's just, you know, this is a a storyline entering the month of May. And, and probably June, but I think it, it'll be played out before then, right? You know, there's going to be some arms twisted here. You know, guys are going to have to make decisions. And I think Luke Moga is an interesting one, Cooper. And um name we have not talked about on the podcast. He's a kid there in Arizona. Uh, completed just 47.3% of his passes as a junior, right? So that is a, a big, big red flag. Um, but then you dig into him and you learn a little bit more about him as a sophomore. He played multiple positions, wide receiver, you know, also ran for 300 yards, uh, played some DB, uh, was a kick returner. Um, and this is a guy that just went 10, seven in the hundred meter dash 22.22 in the 200. Uh, he can roll and he's a, he's an athlete, right? And, um, I was asked on the college football recruiting show on t- 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 Monday. I think some Oregon fan pressed me, Hey, Oregon's involved with Luke Moga and, and Van Buren. You know, do you think they could take two quarterbacks? And my answer was kind of like, if I'm Oregon in that position, if I'm, I'm Dane Lanning, yeah, I would try to take two quarterbacks. And the turnover at that position is at such an all time high. I mean, remember when we went through the elite 11 from 2019 and all those kids that have transferred, and I think with Moga, I think he could play another position if he needed to. Dad was a, a defensive back at at Kentucky, so I, I think he's got like a four oh nine shuttle on 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 file as well. Um, and uh, so just interesting. And I thought it I thought it was notable because I want to ask you about this. I mean, Clemson reaching out to Luke Moga. What do you think about that? I'm not fired up about the secondary market when it comes to the quarterbacks. You know, and and we've talked about the arms in 2024. You know, we have Dylan Rayola at the top. I think you and I, in terms of, we haven't really pulled the curtain back on that. Dylan Rayola, I think there's more of an infatuation with what he can be rather than what he is, right? And then there's Jaden Davis. He's more of a facilitator, distributor. I get excited about the fit in Ann Arbor. And then you have a handful of other guys that you can really kind of put in one bucket. And it it depends on your flavor. What I don't understand is Elijah Brown's recruitment from modern day it makes zero sense to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy that has lost one game in two years as a starter at modern day. 
And if you put on that game he lost, like he he performed well enough to win. He didn't turn the ball over. Plays high level of competition. If you want to argue the the skill set, I completely understand that. I think it's adequate to above average. I think his ability to process and play the game proactively, he can do that at a high level. I think that's kind of the separator there. So USC is involved with Elijah Brown, UCLA, Arizona State. There's probably one or two other teams that I'm missing. But for Oregon here, Drew, I'm going to push back on the on the two quarterbacks because to me it's relative to the market. I'm not excited about Luke Moga. I'm not excited about Michael Van Buren. The team that I'm looking at right now that I'm like, hey, the last two years, they they seem to have – they could do it for the second consecutive year. Add quality arms is Penn State. If Penn State finds a way to add Trevor Jackson, who we talked about, right, he's going to go to the Elite 11 Finals. I'm fully expecting him to turn heads. Right now, what Penn State is doing, which is similar to what happened last year with Jackson Smolik, is they're being proactive on that front. They're not being reactionary to a performance. And to me, I I think the secondary market is bare right now. And if I'm Clemson, I understand I have Cade Klubnick. I understand I have Christopher Vizina. I usually would caution against this, but I, I would be patient and see if another arm emerges here later in the process and understand your weight and your quarterback history. And I know I know that's difficult to do. You have to go out there and you have to have guys on the board and, and ultimately at some point you got to make a decision. But, I mean, you, you, Luke Mogo, we're talking about a guy that's under 50% we like the athlete. We've talked about that. I think it's fair to say he needs to continue to develop. But in terms of a passer, I mean, he he has a long ways to go. Yeah. So I, I don't know. My, my whole vantage point on the secondary quarterback market in 2024 is, I would say, grim. Yeah. And, you know, there's other schools that are looking all around. North Carolina, um, they're inv- I think they're involved with Trevor Jackson. I don't know if they've offered yet. They're searching. Um, and it's like, man, North Carolina, you guys have Drake May. I mean, you know, I, it, but they too, you know, struck out with certain guys. And, and that's kind of the nature of the beast. There's some teams out there that are looking. You're starting to understand it a little bit more. Colorado jumping on Danny O'Neill, Texas in a – unique position with their quarterback room, but they took Trey Owens early, right? Who's got some redeeming qualities. Anthony Maddox, right at first that I think you and I kind of were like, not skeptical of the take, but skeptical of the timing. Traits there to work with. Hey, Texas A&M offered Trevor Jackson as well, though. I'll tell you this. Hoss Haney. Hoss Haney committed to TCU. We talked about him yesterday. We had a long call talking about, you know, recruiting rankings. Hoss Haney was one of the topics of of conversation. I think that's a guy, if you're one of these other teams, who's in the mix and and looking for a legitimate option there. I think people can knock the size, but 
he's a fascinating evaluation, say the least. For sure. Let's talk a little uh little Michigan up to number one in the rankings. Pick up a pair of commitments. I I missed him on the rundown, didn't I? I know. I I didn't want you to forget. That's why I jumped in, played co-host. Love that. All right, let's talk Go Blue, number one class in the country. After they add one of the best tight ends in the country, number seven tight end in the country, Brady Prescorn. Also, Jared Smith, number 27 DL from Connecticut. Michigan right now getting it done. And tell you what, Brady Prescorn, we can talk a little bit about him. Top 100 player, number 95 player, according to 24-7 Sports, number two player in Michigan. Michigan got two tight ends I really like. Also got the other cat out of Bellevue, Washington. Name is evading me right now. It's evading me as well. Bad bad podcasting. I'm pulling. It's okay. It up. I'll keep talking about prescorn. Six foot six, two hundred and twenty five pounds. Drew, to me, this guy is everything that you would want in the Big Ten. And if you're a twelve personnel team, if you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're Sharon Moore, it's exactly what you're looking for. High football intelligence. A guy that can play in line. He can also flex out. High floor as well. We'll put his face on you and has the frame, everything that you're looking for. And we talk about the tight end position and why those, you want to call them micro movements at the top of the route, suddenness, initial quickness, why that's so important. Prescorn, also a very natural pass catcher, can get you some production down the field. So, yeah, this is what I just get for the Wolverines. Yeah, this is what I wrote down on him. Big, lanky, well rounded. I think that should be highlighted. I mean, I think he's one of the more complete tight ends out there. Nasty blocker. Excellent on seam routes and tracking the football, which is exactly what you just said. I think it's also notable his brother, uh, second team all AAC at Memphis this past season, transferred into the SIP to play for Lane Kiffin. I think he's going to be the starter there, uh, tight end one for the Rebels. Um, So checking off a ton of different boxes, 24 catches, 648 yards, 10 touchdowns. As a junior, no, Coop, him and then the other guy, Hogan Hansen, who is out of Washington. I mean, that is a tight end duo. Um, and I think we can talk a little bit about Jared Smith here in a second, but Michigan's up to number one. They haven't had landed a, a top 10 class since the 2019 cycle. Uh, and that's the last time they finished ahead of Ohio State. Wolverines were number eight in the rankings. Ohio State was number 14, but that's when they were transitioning from urban to Ryan Day. Um, so Harbaugh, you know, criticism last year for what they did after back-to-back college football playoff appearances on the recruiting trail. Now they got the number one class, and I think there's some staying power, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think they've, they've been in the right lane in terms of recruiting the last couple of cycles, going 65, and they've done a – I think part of the frustration with Michigan is they there's such a good – one of the best – developmental programs in the country and they i don't want to say do a lot with a little because that's not true i think they're one of the better evaluating teams in the country from top to bottom as well but they have left meat on the bone when it comes to top end talent and i think that's what you're seeing this year that's that's the difference in the 2024 cycle than what we've seen in prior cycles and you talk about the two tight ends i want to give a shout out to tight ends coach Grant Newsom at Michigan, former player, had a career-ending injury there, has moved up the coaching ranks very quickly. I had the opportunity to work with him when I was at Michigan. 
I mean, you talk about a guy that could literally do anything he wanted for a living. I mean, he could be an astronaut if he wanted to. But his coaching tight ends at Michigan, he's doing a great job there. So I love that two tight end combination that they have coming in. I mean, that's why I think both those guys are complete. You know, the other why, – why do I keep forgetting the name? Hogan Hansen. Hogan Hansen. Reminds me a lot of Ben Urosik, who's at Stanford, had a very productive career, came back for another year. Michigan in good hands there at the tight end position. Colson Loveland as well. Last thing I'll say is Steve Wiltfong wrote a story about Michigan moving up to number one. Check it out on 247sports.com. Thought this quote was notable because he talked to Jaden Davis. And I think this is the benefit of getting a high-profile quarterback on board is they turn into kind of the face of the class. And he said, I thought this quote was interesting. We we want guys that truly fit. We want guys that truly fit into the Michigan program. And if guys don't choose Michigan, we wish them nothing but the best, but the best want to play with the best. Yeah, it always helps when you have, I don't want to say polarizing, but when you, when you have a dude at that position that can be vocal and you know that is committed and not only committed to the program, but committed to attracting some of the best quality talent from around the country. So I think we're seeing that with Jim Davis in, in Michigan. Did you ever have one of those when you were on the other side? I don't think, you know, we had, we had Sam Hewitt, which was, it was a plus, but it was also very predictable. You know, his dad, his dad played, his uncle played, both played at Washington. I mean, he was just born to play for the university. I think it means more when it's a recruitment that is heavily followed nationally, like Jaden Davis, right? Like yeah, I mean, he, from an, he announced on SportsCenter. Ohio State to Clemson to Michigan. It was, it was a, a huge PR win for Michigan, right? To lock in one of the top arms in the, in the country. So, yeah, I think, no, I've never had one to that degree to answer your question. But Jared Smith. Drew, I know we we got a two-minute offense here, but Jared Smith, any thoughts on him? I think he – What I, I popped on the tape again this morning to refresh. I, I like the lateral movement, how he can redirect. Um, you know, we need fresh numbers on him. We, we got him under 6'3", or, or that's, that's, that's what I saw. Uh, but this is the type of guy that Michigan takes and, and turns into a draft pick, right? Completely. I like him. I like the motor, quick twitch. I like the way that he can change direction in space, got good lateral quickness, closes space quickly. That's what I like about him. To point out, when when Brian Doan filled in for you and we talked about the the boom in New England, uh, Smith was a guy that he mentioned a lot, and he's got a twin brother as well who's still on the market. So, Did Doan substitute for me? Yeah, man. That was during my bachelor party? I think. I haven't listened to that episode yet. I'm going to have to go back and give it a shout. Shout out uh, Brian Doan. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because we talked about a bunch of different guys like Tyler Van Dyke coming out of New England. And then like last week, Tyler Van Dyke is full scope in the national media um, announcing that he is staying at the University of Miami. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of relevant names have surfaced uh, on that since then. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. All right, Drew, a couple quick hitters. Colorado, they've been in the news, if you haven't heard. Uh, I want to say almost half their program is in the transfer portal. Head coach Deion Sanders doing things his way. Not a surprise to him. You heard him on the Pat McAfee show yesterday talking about this was expected. This is what he said was going to happen. You hear some of the reports that come out from the players that have now entered the transfer portal in Colorado. Andrew, this is a very intriguing situation, especially given my experience in college football. If I was the personnel director there, Corey Phillips, who came over from LSU, very highly respected. I think there's two ways to go about it. You have Deion Sanders, who's his quote yesterday to Carl Reed, this is not his first rodeo. But when was the last rodeo? I'm trying to figure that out. I mean, Jackson oh, State and Colorado are not exactly equivalent, right? So yeah. I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, you need, sure, you have 85 scholarships available, but you need 55 to 57 warm bodies functional football players. Now, Dion, we don't know Dion Sanders's long-term vision, right? So we don't know whether he's he's looking at year one and saying, you know what, it's not pivotal for us to go out there and try to win six, seven games. If we win three to four games, that is what it is. To me, it's about building the infrastructure of the team, who we want to be short-term and long-term. I mean, the hard part is, is, what I would say, Deion Sanders is a very black and white coach. He's going to tell you what he thinks. He's not going to hold back. And he certainly has the resume as a player to prove it. That being said, there is some finesse that is demanded out of this job when you are the head coach. And you hear the Colorado players saying, well, hey, there was – there's a different level of treatment for the players that were already on the roster that were holdovers from Carl Durrell and from the players that were brought in and how they were treated. Also, there was a report out there that he didn't know half the players' names on the roster. My point being is, whether he's successful, whether he's not successful, it's all out there, right? 
And from a perceptional standpoint, that information is now being digested by recruits and their families. And to me, that could potentially have an impact on the players coming into the program, the players that he's recruiting, on how you treat these guys. Now, I think he's running it like a business. And here, here's the difference between Deion Sanders and every other coach. Deion Sanders is backing up his actions with words. Everybody in the country does what Deion Sanders is doing. He's the only one calling it for what it is. Teams do this. Teams push players out. Coaches sit down with players and essentially say, hey, we appreciate everything you've done for us, but it's time to find a new home. That happens. That happens every year. I think Deion Sanders is the first one pulling the curtain back and saying, let's call it what it is. It's a business. I'm bringing in new faces who fit the standard of what we want to do on and off the field. I don't have any issue with it. What I'm saying is there there might be some unintended consequences that I'm not sure have been baked into the cake. You talked about his first rodeo and in, in, in building the infrastructure. <laughs> you know, his first year at, at Jackson State, they went four and three. That was the COVID year, 20, 2020. Then they went 11 and two and 12 and 12 and one. And I was at a Jackson State game this past season and I thought, for an HBCU, the it felt different. So maybe that's maybe that's the goal. Um, and I don't think it's hard to think they would be concerned about on-field results in 2023 um, if they're embracing this much turnover. And why do I mention that? I mean, they just went through spring practices. Usually, you're installing, you know, offense, defense. But if all those guys aren't there, I mean, you just, you know, it was more, it seems like it was more of like a weeding out 15 sessions instead of a, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it seemed like it, it seemed more comparable to the NFL when you're trying to get a roster down from 90 to 53. And I think that's the way he thinks. You know, like what I think's refreshing about Deion Sanders is, he does not care what anybody else thinks. Uh, that does not have any impact on how he goes about his business. I just wonder, or is this going to impact Colorado? And when you have a first-year head coach at the FBS level, to me, he needs to establish some credibility on the field. And I feel like He's a poker player that is playing very aggressively, but is down some chips. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. But it doesn't but it doesn't feel that way, right? So, and I'm not saying Colorado's in that spot. It's just, you know, I'm trying to search for an analogy. And I understand what he's doing, but at the same time, I used to think this way too. The perception game is very important. It's very important. I was around a lot of head coaches that would, would sweat that out, that part of their job, and I never understood why. A couple years into the industry, you start to understand it a little bit more because those things have a way of working to impact your team and your program, and it certainly 
impacts your building. So anyway, that wasn't the point. Uh, Colorado, Lance, Florida State edge, Derek McClendon. They also pick up a uh, commitment from Brendan Grant, Grant, excuse me, also from Florida State and Mike Norvell uh, by way of Tallahassee. Buffs now with the number one transfer class per 24-7 sports. Andrew, listen, there's been this mass exodus at Colorado. Deion Sanders seems confident that he's going to replace a lot of the faces that are on their way out of the building with he's going to upgrade, plain and simple. Um, with all due respect to Colorado, I don't think that's going to be hard to do. I just wonder if he can do number for number. Like, are we going to see that, right? I'm, I'm more interested what the final scholarship count is going to look like for Colorado. I think the McClendon one is interesting because I don't know if Colorado was really linked in that recruitment because uh, I know someone that was involved and had brought McClendon in on a visit. And uh, they said it was almost shocking to see him pick Colorado, but we've learned that that's kind of the case with with prime and um, another edge player for them. I mean, we mentioned that they're, they're stacking up guys, McClendon, you know, three and a half sacks the past two seasons, um, you know, did that over a thousand snaps in, in four years for the Seminoles. Um, so good addition. Brendan Grant kid. I saw all throughout high school, you know, was not a starter for the Seminoles, but guy with experience at the power five level. All right, Drew, let's stay in the Pac-12 footprint. USC, guess what? I got to watch a little college football this morning. They grabbed one of the top offensive linemen in the transfer portal. That is Wyoming interior offensive lineman, Emmanuel Pregnon, number 54 transfer Trojans. Like I mentioned with Colorado, they're now number one. Trojans, number two. Lincoln Riley continuing to get it done. We talked about Bear Alexander last episode. Emmanuel Pregnon now on the offensive line. What's refreshing is, Andrew, it seems like they are being buyers in the market when it comes to the point of attack, which we talked about, right? So yeah. essential for, for a team out West. And, and I put this on here, right? Yes. Essential big bodies out West, but this is like free agency. All right. Everyone keeps talking about transfer portal, free agency, free agency, free agency. Well, USC had brought in some veteran linemen, Michael Tarquin, Ethan White, uh, Jarrett Kingston, all those guys were expected to have a role starting five. Uh, and then Ethan White, I think, was ruled medically ineligible or, or or something he can't enroll, so they need another. And then USC just pivots and, and goes and grabs Emmanuel, who was the top uncommitted offensive lineman or unsigned in the spring window we're in right now. I mean – this is free agency. <laughs> you know, it's like the same thing as what's going on at, at, at the NFL level. Oh, we need a veteran body to play one of the guard spots. All right, we'll just go get the next one because this guy's hurt. It's just kind of amazing. We've, this has happened overnight, right? What do you think it is about, I, I mean, obviously outside of the, the reasons that are so clear, USC in terms of their attractiveness in the, in the portal. I think it's the reasons that are clear. It's LA. Los Angeles, warm weather, large market, opportunity to play. Yeah. And, and it's it, pretty clear. I don't pretty think there's clear. anything like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, don't overthink it. <laughs> Andrew, are you ready for the, the next segment here? 
I am. I'm, I'm fired up for this. I gotta, I gotta say goodbye to the fiance here in a little bit. So we'll, we'll keep this under 15. I think that's doable, huh? Yep. Reverse NFL comps. Boys are getting crazy on NFL draft day, but that's what we got. Andrew and I both picked three top 100 prospects according to CBS Sports NFL draft rankings, and we are going to comp them to a player currently ranked in the top 247 of the 2024 cycle according to 24-7 Sports. Drew, would you like me or you to do the honors? You have the floor. This is my idea, then I went to execute it. <laughs> it didn't go as planned, but you, you aced the assignment. We'll see about that. All right. First name for me and a guy that has taken over Twitter by storm, Will Levis. University of Kentucky by way of Penn State, by way of Connecticut, Will Levis. He's like the athletic enigma, right? You go back July 1st, 2017, Nike Combine, 6'4", 224 pounds, 4'8", 35-plus inch vertical. 4-1 shuttle, 10-and-a-half-inch hands. How about that? And you wonder, like we talked about Anthony Richardson yesterday, and we talked about the intrigue, and we talked about him doing backflips and how different of an athlete is uh, that he is. Will Levis, same type of category, right? And I think NFL teams are infatuated not only with you got what looks like a linebacker playing quarterback, but I would say arguably one of the strongest arms, Anthony Richardson, right there with him. A lot to like about Will Levis. And for me, I tell you what, the more research I did on this one, I don't think this is that much of a reach, Andrew. Walker White out of Little Rock Christian Academy, currently committed to Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Walker White, 6'3 and a half, 217. 491-40, 35-inch vert, 4-2 shuttle, 10 and a quarter hands. And if you've seen Walker White, he's got some Tim Tebow to him. I mean, he is a unit. Strong arm, accuracy a question mark, same as it was with Will Levis. Can throw a football out of the stadium. Moves well. I think this is a guy that Will Levis and Walker White either – get you your next contract as a general manager or they get you fired lottery tickets right 100 percent. not as much payout as anthony richardson but they are they are lottery tickets no i when you texted me this one i'm like you nailed it i think they look the same as well <laughs> like kind of like similar frame similar build similar backgrounds it, it it feels like you know so i like walker white a lot and Andrew, I kind of proposed a little bit of a segment to you that, you know, we really couldn't come to grips on before the show. But what I was trying to say was, all right, is there a guy that we have ranked outside of our top 32 that we could fully expect to like be in the mix if he's so on so-called hits, right? Like I could see Walker White going to college, putting together one to two productive years under Hugh Freeze and the scouting community in the NFL being like, you start to talk yourself into the guy, which I feel is what's happening with Will Levis. All right, Drew, start us off. Okay. DJ Turner, fastest man at the NFL Combine out of Michigan. I don't know if he's going to go tonight on Thursday. 
It seems like he could come off the board Friday. Um, guy I have comped him to in this reverse comp exercise, Jalen Mbakwe, the Alabama cornerback commit. DJ Turner, I mentioned um, 4-2-6 in the 40-yard dash. Jalen Mbakwe, 10-4-6. They're kind of built similar, both under six foot. DJ Turner was 5-11 at the Combine. Mbakwe, I've seen him at a few uh, seven-on-seven tournaments. I mean, they are of the same mold. Mbakwe, more of a two-way player uh, at the prep level there in, in, this, in the Yellowhammer State. DJ Turner started off in Georgia, ended up at IMG Academy. Almost no one double duties there at IMG Academy. So uh, that's one that I came up with, and I think it, I think it fits, right? I like that one a lot. You know, you talk about Mbakwe, two-way player. You and I have had the conversation. Like, I feel more comfortable with what Mbakwe is on offense than I do on defense. Yeah. I feel like, I don't want to say Alabama, but we try to pigeonhole these guys. He's one of the most dynamic players in the country. He was banged up last year at Clay Chalkville. I love him with the ball in his hands. I think he's exceptional. He's like an artist. I mean, in the return game as well, his run after the catch is dynamic. I think he's one of the most explosive players in the country. DJ Turner on the other side. DJ Turner, there was some overlap there when I was at Michigan. Chris Partridge, friend of the show, loved DJ Turner. Now, the biggest question mark we had on DJ Turner was I thought he was a little bit slight. Now, he's 178 pounds right now, so maybe that plays into it. The speed, I don't think anybody thought he was going to run a 4-2-6 or that he was capable of that. But I like that comparison a lot. I think you can – both guys are capable of playing on the outside, have some position versatility. I see more as Nichols. All right, so we're off and running there. Drew, my next one, Jordan Addison and Mylon Graham, the five-star receiver committed to Ohio State. Brian Hartline, Ryan Day out of Indiana. 5'11", Jordan Addison, Mylon Graham, six foot one, but not verified, so it probably means he's 5'11 and a half. <laughs> rule of thumb, right? Take off an inch and a half. Is that the rule of thumb? That's typically what we do. Jordan Addison, 10'8", 500 meter, 5'8", high jump, 22-plus long jump. Drew, you know I'm a sucker for the track and field, but it's not only the track and field. It's the combination of do you have on-field production – and then the supplementary data points, right? So Jordan Addison, a verified tester, also ran a 4.51 in high school, had a 33-plus-inch vert, had the production coming out as well. The more boxes you check, that's kind of the arena that we get into. Mylon Graham, from a play-style standpoint, you see him moved around a lot. He's more of a utility man. I like his, his ceiling in the slot, which I love for Ohio State. The shiftiness after the catch, the ability to separate, I thought this was I, – I knew we had to reach on a couple comps, but the more I started to study this, I like this one. I could see it on the on the scouting report come February, right? Uh, no, I, I, I think it fits. Um, I mean, we always praise what Ohio State has done in that wide receiver room. Mylon Graham, I think, as an open field runner, it's uh, – it's special to watch, right? I think that's that's kind of his calling card, or, or what separates him than, from some of these other receivers alone in the in the twenty twenty four cycle. I know we're going fast, so for me, uh, Miles Murphy, 
defensive lineman out of Clemson. I think he's another guy. You know, maybe maybe tonight. Definitely on Friday. Reminds me, or I should say, this prospect reminds me of Miles Murphy. Williams Nawarney, our number three overall prospect, defensive lineman out of Missouri, right? Correct. I always get it confused if he's Missouri or Kansas because it's not correct there. Uh, Miles Murphy, NFL Combine, 6'5", 268. Williams Nawarney, our most recent numbers on him, 6'5", 250. And I think we we always bring up growth potential. Like that's what we think Williams is going to do. He's going to put on some size. I think he's a guy that can do multiple things up front for you play in different alignments. Miles Murphy has done just that. So um not going to say I love this one, but I think it works uh, if we're trying to, you know, stick with guys in our 32 and, and stick with guys that are going to be selected high over the weekend. I like it from a athleticism size standpoint. And I also like it from the fact that I think both those guys can play with their hand in the ground or standing up. I think they're scheme versatile guys. And if you're at 270 pounds, you're kind of caught in between. You're not the traditional 285-pound five technique and a four-down front. You're probably not going to be the three technique and a, and a three-down front either. So interesting there uh, with those guys. And I, I like both those guys. Miles Murphy right now, popular mock draft selection to the New Orleans Saints at number 29. We'll see if that happens. Saints need a lot of help. They need some pass rushing help. All right, Drew, my last one here. Ellis Robinson, top cornerback on the board in 2024 and a guy that you and I, I think, have long been a fan of. Transferred in from Connecticut to IMG Academy. Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Two completely different backgrounds. You talk about Ellis Robinson, cream of the crop at, at IMG Academy. Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi and a guy that developed at Mississippi State. Emmanuel Forbes coming out, Andrew. 6'1", 150 pounds, 80-inch wingspan. Had a 39-inch vertical and a 47340. You look at Ellis Robinson, 6 foot 3 quarters, 173 pounds, 79-inch wing, only an inch difference between the two. 45640, 36-inch vert, 35-inch arms. I don't know if I can Tell you what, if you have 35-inch arms at the cornerback position you with the additional traits that I just talked about, I mean, that's safe right there. A lot of people are going to be intrigued with that one. But this wasn't a, wasn't a perfect comp, but I like both these guys in terms of the body type or reactionary athletes. People always ask, what is a reactionary athlete? The word that comes up to me when I think about a reactionary, especially at corner, it's a combination of fluidity but also explosiveness and playing with very little wasted motion. And I think you see that with both Ellis Robinson and Emmanuel Forbes. So I like that one. I think Emmanuel Forbes is going to go in the front. He, he is a ball magnet as well. I, I dude, mean, his, his tape's awesome. Crazy. Hey, can, I, can I give a random, like, and I, I guess I should have looked this up, random shout-out to whoever has pieced together Mississippi State's cornerback room in recent years. Because last year they had Martin Emerson go who went to the Browns, right? Day three selection. I think he, he checked out as a rookie. He's another guy that was uh, over six foot with tentacles for arms, right? Can break up a ton of passes. I think that's almost ideally the same scouting report 
as what you got in, in Emmanuel Forbes. And then in, in the 2023 cycle, they they kind of got a sleeper out of the state of Georgia, a kid we threw a late fourth, uh, fourth star on in, in, in Bryce Pollock, and he's another 6-1 corner. So Mississippi State has it figured out when it comes to like the perimeter defenders uh, that can close – can close gaps and they're in on this kid I love right now in 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 the in the 2024 cycle Cameron Keys another kid out of the Sunshine State that not a lot of people know about so Mississippi State low key corner you I'll tell you this the other one Alabama Mississippi Kelly Jones six foot four hundred and eighty pounds I mean it's one of those guys right I mean it, it, we're just talking about Emmanuel Forbes one hundred and fifty pounds right so you probably teams that would be involved probably overthink it a little bit. Mississippi State in one of those positions where they can develop these type of players. Kelly Jones, 6'4", 178 pounds. He played – he's listed as a safety. He played some corner in Mobile at the Alabama-Mississippi game. Drew, I also think totally off the off the road here, that game is loaded. Yeah. The Alabama-Mississippi game. I mean, it kind of served as like a pseudo like all-star game. You had Sunterine Perkins, Peter Woods, Keldrick Falk, Kelby Collins, then a handful of other guys uh, that we don't really talk about, neither here nor there. Kelly Jones, name to remember. And then Drew at the end, Isaac Smith, yeah. safety, right? I mean, different position, but still got to like what they're doing there. You need to hold hold me to getting to that game this upcoming cycle. It has to happen. Live show. We'll get you there. Live show for sure. And all right, last thing on Alabama-Mississippi game. I've, I've been in the past. I think the kids actually care, right? All-American Bowl, you see some of it in practices. Under Armour game, feels like a Pro Bowl. You know, don't get a ton of competition. Alabama, Mississippi, like, they're practicing. There's there's no theme parks. The coaches care, too. All right, my last one, and I think you love this one. Drew Sanders, talked about him on the last podcast. Alabama to Arkansas, utility man up front. He was a big-time athlete coming out of high school. This one's probably not perfect, um, but they have two track times that match up. Sammy Brown, our number one-ranked linebacker um, in the class of 2024, a guy that'll be on the freaks list. Uh, Drew Sanders, 10-9-1 in high school. Sammy Brown just recently went 10-9-2, and I think he's actually gotten a little bit faster as that. Sammy Brown, uh, we're still trying to peg him down as to what he will be on Saturdays and then maybe Sundays moving forward. Uh, but there is that versatility. Talk about two-way snaps. Sammy Brown goes both ways. Um, so I think that those two kind of match up in terms of the speed for a guy that is going to play primarily in the box, can get after the quarterback and drop back into coverage. Uh, and just, again, the, the ability to do a variety of different things. Tell you what, the boys are just nerding out today, huh? I've been nerding out all week. Little little Mississippi State corner talk. <laughs> a little Mississippi State corner talk. Sammy Brown, Drew Sanders. I like that one. I think the only difference there is really the height. I mean, Drew Sanders kind of hovering around six foot five. You and I talked about this. We knew this. Sammy Brown, more about six six two-ish. But I think situationally, you can use as a, a second-level pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a difficult exercise, but I think we did good. But hopefully, there's a graphic made. Hopefully, there is a graphic made. I mean, we got 
We got Hoodie Lance in the, in the background now, ready for hot yoga at 12 o'clock. Getting the boys out of here by 9.15. All right, Drew, um, any final thoughts uh, before we get out of here? No, I mean, Lance did just send us his uh, his final mock draft. <laughs> I, don't know if, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen it. Our guy, Osiris Torrance, number 25 overall to the Jets. Or, I mean, excuse me, to the New York Giants. This is... This is Lance's mock draft I'm looking at, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hendon Hooker at 19 to Tampa Bay. Lance, I like where your head's at there. It's sneaky. Osiris Torrance. <laughs> Osiris Torrance is for the boys. Anthony Richardson to the Commanders at 16. Miles Murphy, what a range on him at 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles. The two corners kind of scare me, Witherspoon and Gonzalez. I get the infatuation, but I don't know. It's a passing league, man. I'll tell you what, it really is. Hey, one bold prediction for tonight. Not bold. I mean, the news is already coming out. Somebody's going to trade up to number three. That's going to happen, right? Arizona does not need a quarterback. They have one in Kyler Murray. You got Indianapolis picking at number four, and it seems like every year Indianapolis just gets trumped for whatever reason, when it comes to the NFL draft and quarterbacks. Somebody's trading up to number three right now, the scuttlebutt, Tennessee Titans. First-year GM. Mm. See what happens there. Titans, Malik Willis last year. Already heard, not, I guess they're down and out on him already, Ryan Tannehill. They need to make a move. They do need to make a move. We'll see what happens. NFL draft. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Two of the Oyster Boys on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple. Also, make sure to leave a rating and a review. If you have any questions on there, just let us know. There was a question on there that we need to get to next week, so I appreciate that. We're not tuning you out, I promise. So for Andrew Ivins, producer of Lance Glenn, I'm Cooper Tagner. We'll see you next week. Have a great NFL Draft weekend. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.